Good morning, Golden Corner Church. It is so good to see you here today. You know, I was sitting there a while ago just looking at you guys and thinking to myself, there's no way I could put into words how deeply I care for you and how greatly appreciative I am for each and every one of you. Word about kids, Nick, last night. I know Tim's already mentioned it, but it was great fun. And I want to thank Michelle LeVere and all the volunteers that that worked so hard to make that possible for the kids and for me. I had loads of fun, and we had homemade ice cream, and there's nothing more fun, I guess, for me than eating homemade ice cream. And I had just a little sampling of it, didn't I, Sam? Yeah, what was the last count? Three bowls, okay, one more after you left. And uh, so... uh, (laughs) But it was great fun. I, I loved every minute of it. I am grateful for those of you who worked so hard to make that possible. This morning, I want to wrap up our sermon series entitled, Making Us Husband and Wife. Now, thus far, we've learned what a successful marriage looks like. A successful marriage illustrates the love relationship that exists between Jesus and his people. You ask, how so, Ronnie? The husband is to love his wife as Jesus loves the church. And the wife is to love her husband as the church is supposed to love Jesus. We've also learned what it takes to have a successful marriage. And I guess I really would say it like this. Last week we learned how to lay the foundation that a couple can build a successful marriage on. And we learned that both husband and wife are going to have to take three steps. Know, grow, grow. And show. And I'm not going to take the time to go back and explain those. If you've missed either of the first two sermons, I'm strongly encouraging you to go to the website or to the podcast and listen to those. I think they will be of great value to you and, uh, and to your marriage. Now, this morning, I want to close the series by encouraging you to take five very practical steps. And if this is your first time with us, I want you to know that in the first two sermons, we have studied carefully uh, from the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 21 through 33. So I don't want you to think I just made this stuff up. These practical steps actually come from that passage of Scripture. So, are you ready? Ready? Step one. And husbands, I'm sorry. It's going to feel like I'm picking on you again. And maybe there's a word from the Lord for us uh, in this series. I think so. So, you ready? Husbands. Lead. Lead. The New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 23 says, A husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Husbands, do you know what that means? It means that in the context of your marriage, you are in charge, you're the leader. Now, I know what some of you husbands are thinking. Well, I thought you were going to scold us. That sounds like pretty good news to me. You are the leader, so what should you do? Lead. Lead where, you ask? God has a plan for your marriage. He has a direction He wants to take your marriage in. He's taking you and your wife somewhere, and his intent is to bless both of you and use both of you along the way. As the leader, it's your responsibility 
to discover and communicate God's plan for your marriage. Let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 2, Jesus, Mary, and excuse me, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are living in Bethlehem. One night, God spoke to Joseph in a dream, and he said, get up. He said, I want you to pack your things, get your family together, and get out of here. And get out of here now, right now. Don't you wait, don't you hesitate, don't you procrastinate. Get them out of here and go to Egypt. And you're going to stay in Egypt until I tell you otherwise, and here's why. King Herod is going to be looking for the boy. And if he finds him, he's going to kill him. So you know what Joseph did? He did just what God instructed him to do. He must have awakened Mary and said, get the baby, get our things. We've got to go, and we've got to go right now. God had something he wanted to achieve through this family. He had something he wanted them to avoid. So he spoke to Joseph. Why not Mary? Why would he speak to Joseph? Because Joseph was the head of this household. Guys, listen to me. The husband leads by listening to and speaking for God. You say, Ronnie, do you think that there are circumstances, there are times when, when God does speak to the wife and through the wife in regard to the direction of the marriage? Absolutely, I do. Of course, I do. It's happened many times in our marriage, but I also know this. Husbands, it is one of our primary responsibilities that we've been given as the head in the home. Husbands also lead by example. We set an example for our wives to follow. We set the example in love, sacrifice, commitment to the spiritual disciplines, spiritual growth, service to others, humility, faith, obedience to God, and I can just keep going. We lead by listening to and speaking for God, and then we set an example in every possible way that we could comprehend. That's what we do as leaders, guys. So husbands, let's lead. I know what some husbands in the room just thought. I don't want to lead. I didn't ask for this. I didn't put in a resume requesting this. I didn't candidate for this position. I've got enough on me without putting all of that on my plate. I know it's somewhat overwhelming to think about. But here's the deal, husbands. God has given us these responsibilities whether we want them or not. God has given us the job of leading and we are now accountable to him on how we do the job. God is counting on us to lead and so are our wives. And if we have kids, so are our children. Like it or not, the buck stops with us. So what if we choose? What if we choose to act irresponsibly and just not lead? One of two things is going to happen. Your marriage will lack direction. You and your spouse will wander through this life and never really 
never really experienced all that God had in mind when he brought the two of you together. There are things that God wants the two of you to achieve that you'll never achieve. And there are things that God wants you to avoid that you won't avoid, but you will plow straight into. And when that happens, guys, I'm going to say this as plainly as I know how. When that happens, it will be your fault. You're on the point. It means it happened under your watch. I think about old Adam in the book of Genesis. And when God's judgment fell, it fell right on Adam too, even though he wasn't the first to partake of the forbidden fruit. Why? Because he was in charge. Or this could happen. Now, guys, y'all seem kind of tense. Are y'all tense? I want you to loosen up. I want you to listen to me. Because I'm telling you the truth. It, it, you know, not, it could be that your home lacks direction, or it could be that your wife decides that she's got to shoulder the responsibility of leading your home. You know what that means, don't you? She'll be carrying twice the load that God intended that she carry. If that's what she does... Her burden will double. I'm going to say it again. Her burden will double. And when it does, guys, it will be your fault. Now, is that what you want for your wife? If not, then lead. Act responsibly and lead. Number two, say, please, God, let him move on to the wives. Number two. Wives, is that better? Let your husbands lead. And why in the world wouldn't a wife let her husband lead, you ask? Some wives feel they're better suited for the job. Now the men are perking up. I can see it. I can see it in their faces. They're like, we needed this. Perhaps they have a better education or just seem to be more gifted in the area of leadership. For whatever reasons, they just see themselves as a better fit for leadership than their husband. Wives, I'm not here today to prove you wrong. You may very well be brighter, more articulate, and better equipped for the task than your husband. However, for some reason, God chose to place him in the leadership role. I really don't know why he did that. I just know that he did that. So knowing that this is God's arrangement, here's what I feel like you need to do. Out of respect for God, let him lead. Other wives don't want their husbands to lead because they simply don't trust him to lead. And in some cases, I feel like they have very good reason. Their husbands aren't growing, and I know what you guys, you felt, you felt a shift there, didn't you? And all of a sudden, it's back on us, man. Husbands aren't growing. They aren't doing the things that we talked about last week. They're not trying to build a personal relationship with God, nor are they trying to grow spiritually. For that reason, these men are somewhat out of touch with God and remain spiritually immature. Therefore, their wives have a great reluctance in allowing them to take the lead in their home. 
Other wives are hesitant to let the husbands leave because he has demonstrated a pattern of irresponsibility. It's not that she's against him leading. She's been trying to get him to lead for years and he's never taken the responsibility seriously. In regard to being the head of his home, he's been apathetic, disinterested, and disconnected. Other wives are tentative about letting their husbands lead because of his inconsistency. He's hot one day and cold the next. He's in one day and out the next. One day he's at the helm of the ship. He's the captain in his rightful place. The next day you can't find him anywhere. Consequently, the wife doesn't have a lot of faith in him. So what's the solution? Husbands, if that sounds like us, the solution is change. We've got to change. We've got to live in a way that it makes it easy for our wives to trust us. We've got to be constantly growing closer to God and constantly growing as Christians. And this may, may, it may require some great change on our part. I think it's time for us to take our own spiritual well-being more seriously. This is going to mean greater faithfulness to church. Man, I'll tell you something. On Sunday mornings, your feet ought to be the first two feet to hit the floor in your household. If your wife has to, if she had to go out and buy a cattle prod so that she could get you out of the bed on Sunday mornings, shame on you. On Sunday mornings, you ought to take the lead. They ought to be following you out the door to church because come what may, if it is possible in the least degree, you're going to be in the house of God. It's going to require for us to sit down and read the Bible on a regular basis. How are you going to hear the voice of God if you don't do that? It's going to require us praying more, acting kind of as the priest of our household. It's going to mean living obediently and serving Jesus by serving others. Husbands, it just doesn't matter how busy we are. It's time for us to embrace our leadership role and act consistently. We've got to make it easy for our wives to trust us with this responsibility. Wives, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to give us another shot. It's going to be different this time. I feel it. I know with all my heart that husbands are listening and change is coming. Number three, I know what you're praying, men. Please, God, he deviated off the course on that last one. He's back on us again. Man, we need some help. Number three, husbands. (laughs) Let your wives help you lead. Some wives are reluctant to fill their role in the marriage because they misunderstand what it means to submit. They assume submission is the same as slavery. The husband is the master and the wife is his slave. She believes that if she submits, she no longer needs a mind because she's not going to be doing any more thinking. The husband from this point on will do that for me. As a slave, there'll be no room for ideas, creativity, or dreaming. There'll be no opportunities for her to share her opinion or offer advice. As her husband's slave, all she would do is cook, clean, and have sex with him. Some of you men kind of grinned when I said that. Where do you suppose she got that idea? 
I think she got it, first of all, from some incorrect Bible teaching. There are some misguided preachers out there who actually believe and teach that this is what submission means. I think, second, sometimes wives get this idea from manipulative husbands who seek to build their own little kingdom that revolves completely around them. Truth is, marriage is not a master-slave relationship. It's actually more of a partnership. In the book of Genesis... Marriage is described as a man and woman being joined together. In the verses that we've been studying, the Apostle Paul quotes that verse to emphasize that when married, a man and woman are joined together. The word joined being the key word. The word joined implies partnership. A husband and wife are partners, two people working together to accomplish a common goal, and that is to build a marriage that illustrates the love relationship that exists between Jesus and his people. In this partnership, yes, the husband is the head and the wife is the helper. And the word helper is the very word God used in the book of Genesis to describe the role of the wife. As the head, the husband is to lead, and as the helper, the wife is to help her husband. Help him do what? What has God called him to do? Lead. So what does the wife help him do? She helps him lead. In this partnership called marriage, the husband is the president, and the wife is the vice president. You know why some husbands fail at leading? They fail to involve the vice president of the partnership. They won't let their wives help them lead. Husbands, don't make that mistake. Let your wife help you lead. Your wife knows things you don't know. Your wife has perspective that you don't have. Your wife has gifts that you do not possess. Let her help you lead. Involve her. Listen to her. When her ideas are better than yours, embrace her ideas. When she is right, put your male ego aside and act on her advice. Now some of you are asking, how in the world is that submission? Here's what true submission looks like. When the president and vice president of a partnership cannot agree on what to do, the vice president defers to the president because the president has the final say. When husbands and wives can't agree on a decision, the wife defers to her husband out of respect for the position God has given him. Then she supports him in it. And tries her dead level best to make him successful. If he made the wrong decision. She helps him regroup. Start over. And move in the right direction. That's the way it works. But husbands it will never work like that. Until you let her help you lead. Number four. You ready? Husbands. (laughs) And wives. 
Husbands and wives, do your part even if your spouse doesn't. Some of you have been listening to these sermons thinking that's exactly what I want. I want a marriage that illustrates the love relationship that exists between Jesus and people. That's what I want. But I'll never have a marriage like that because my spouse is an unbeliever. He or she will never do their part, Ronnie. Or some of you are going to be thinking in just a few weeks, you know, after that series ended, my spouse was different. They were really trying, but not now. They've given up on all this and fallen back to old patterns, and I'll never have the marriage that God intended me to have because my spouse is not going to fill their role. In either case, what do you do when your spouse refuses to fill the role that they've been given? The answer is found in the Bible. Specifically in the New Testament book of 1 Peter chapter 3, the first six verses. Peter, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, wrote to some godly wives and told them what to do if their husbands refused to follow God. He told them, do your part, even if he doesn't. He told them if they would be faithful to set the right example, perhaps one day they could win their husbands over through their example. Husbands and wives, do your part even if your spouse refuses to. You be faithful in your role day in, day out over the course of life. You be faithful when they're not. And perhaps one day your spouse will follow your example. Number five, husbands and wives, don't settle for less. Don't you settle for just staying together. Don't you settle for just not hating one another. Work diligently and patiently at building a successful marriage. You say, you ask, why Ronnie? Because your spouse deserves it. Husbands, our wives deserve to be loved the way Jesus loves the church. And wives, your husbands deserve to be loved the way the church loves Jesus. Your spouse deserves it. And this world needs it. What an awesome idea God had when he came up with the idea of marriage. Throughout the course of time in every culture... Every town and in every neighborhood, God joined men and women together in marriage so that he could reveal Jesus and Jesus' love and the relationship that we can have with him and to reveal these things to a lost world. Each marriage is to be a beacon of light in the darkness. If we stop short of building a marriage that illustrates the love relationship that exists between Jesus and his people, in essence, we're turning out the light. Don't do that. This world desperately needs Jesus. And our marriage is one more way they can see him. Don't stop short.
Don't you settle for less. I want to ask that everyone bow their heads. All eyes be closed. You sitting next to your spouse? Why don't you take their hand? I want you to pray for each other. I want you to pray about your marriage. And I think our prayer can be effective yet simple. Pray something like this. God, our marriage is the weak. Your love is the flame. Help us burn bright for you. more time, I will make sure you get this. I think this is something we perhaps should be praying every day. God, our marriage is the wick. Your love is the flame. Help us burn bright. Father, it's been three sermons, 90 minutes, and there's so many unanswered questions that we're leaving. Perhaps one day, God, you'll lead us back to, to go a little deeper. But I thank you because you've shown us significant things, things that we need to know, we have to know. some theological things perhaps we had not seen about marriage and God we've looked at carefully very looked at here how to what it takes to become husband and wife but here's where the rubber meets the road God none of this is really of any value if we don't do something with it. I know everything's been kind of crammed in here, Lord, very compact, very concise, and maybe these are three sermons we need to all download to our phones, and maybe something we need to listen to on a consistent basis. We got steps of action to take. We got to We've got to grow. We've got to work at showing each other love. We've all got a new standard, a new goal in our marriage that we're going to be pursuing. And and God, we've learned some things here today. Things that we husbands have got to do. We've got to do. 
things that, that wives have to do, things we have to do together. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. There are going to be obstacles. There are going to be difficult places that we got to work through, that we got to overcome because we're not going to settle. So I'm just praying that there's just an attitude of seriousness, that there's a commitment that develops in our hearts and our spirit here today, and that we'll go forward determined. What the Bible tells me I'm supposed to do here, I'm going to do. Because my spouse deserves this. In this world I live in, they need this. So why don't you just tell God this as we close. to do my part. God help us to build successful marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. I pray that you have a great week.